I want to kind of maybe try to finish that up today. The woman at the well is reading through here, and the Lord gave me a couple of thoughts on a very familiar passage of Scripture, and uh, entitled our, our message, The Well is Deep, last week, The Woman at the Well. Also, we said it was the well of Israel, because here this woman, and it was known to be the well of Jacob. Of course, Jacob's name was, after he wrestled with the angel, his name was changed to Israel. And, of course, that's where the nation of Israel was born out of, was Jacob. So you could call this the well of Israel. There's a lot of typology and symbolism that goes back with that and the salvation that we have in our Lord Jesus Christ. And truly, this was a journey of a lifetime, a journey of a lifetime, is knowing the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. I don't want to read, we read the whole passage of Scripture last week. Uh, we don't want to take time to do that. I would encourage you to read, read through there uh, and uh, all the, this chapter. But in John 4, we'll read verses 10 and 11 and verse 14 of John chapter 4. It says, Jesus answered and said unto her, If thou knewest the gift of God, and who it is that saith to thee, Give me to drink, thou wouldest have asked of him, and he would have give thee, given thee living water. The woman saith unto him, Sir, thou hast nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. From whence then hast thou this living water? In verse 14, But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst, but the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. And uh, so let's go to the Lord in a word of prayer before we continue our sermon, The Well is Deep. And let's go to the Lord in a word of prayer. Lord, we do thank you for your goodness. We thank you for the word of God. We thank you how you encourage us. We thank you for how Scripture speaks to our hearts. We thank you for this great illustration that we have and this great story that you've told about this woman, the well, who got wonderfully saved and others who've gotten gloriously saved and the help that we find in this passage of Scripture, the encouragement that we have. We pray, Lord, that you'd help us, dear Spirit of God, the Scripture says in verse 24, they that worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. We come to you at this point in time, resting, relying on the dear Spirit of God. We come to you the best way we know how, the truthfulness of our hearts and in your word. We'll thank you for what you do in Jesus' name. Amen. Woman at the well, last week we talked about the longing at the well. That was the desire on the part of our Lord Jesus Christ to see people saved. We mentioned that uh, this woman was a Samaritan woman. And as you read through this passage of Scripture, uh, the Jews had no dealings with the Samaritan. You may call this a, a racial situation. It was more of a cultural situation. It had to do with the Jews wanting to be able to trace their lineage back to Jacob, to Israel, that they had a direct line, and that direct line uh, was, was, was a pure line. And so a lot of the Jews liked to brag about that. So they had no dealings uh, with the Samaritans because of that. And uh, so uh, there was a longing at the well. No matter who this woman was, no matter where she was from, even though our Lord Jesus Christ was a Jew, he taught the disciples, and I believe we'll see that this morning, that everybody ought to get an opportunity to hear the gospel, no matter who they are. Now, uh, so there was a longing at the well. And then there was labor at the well. The Bible said Jesus was weary. The disciples were weary. 
I think we can all raise our hand and say, you know, we've been weary physically, but I think the spiritual application here is sometimes, just like you get physically worn, you can also get spiritually worn. This well is not only good enough to save you, but this well is good enough to sustain you. And uh, the well is deep. No matter what you're going through, it's deep enough to help you. It'll it'll get you on the right track and it'll keep you on the right track. And so there was labor here at this well. And then we we looked at the lady at the well. She was a sinner. And uh, she had the problem of separation, that she was of Samaria, and really didn't have a part in, in in knowing the true gospel. Wouldn't it be horrible to grow up in a false cult, a false religion that didn't know the true gospel? You don't have anything else to raise your hand and praise the Lord about this morning. You certainly say, thank God I got on the right track. Thank God I hung around the right people and uh, got a hold of the gospel. And, uh, and of course, she was a Samaritan woman. But not only did we look at the lady at the well, but we looked at the law at the well. She was condemned, and so is everybody else born into this world without the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I want to see everybody saved. I want to see everybody born again. But uh, without the Lord Jesus Christ in their life, you know, every preacher and every pastor and every Christian ought to know in their back of their mind there's a consequence for missing out on the Lord Jesus Christ. How shall we escape so great uh, condemnation if we neglect the Lord Jesus Christ. And the uh, book of Hebrews uh, speaks on that. And so there is, a, there is a heaven to gain, but there's also a hell to shun. And this woman uh, had a darkened heart and needed to get saved. And so not only did you see the longing at the well, the labor at the well, the lady at the well, but you saw the law at the well. And then uh, there was some lessons taught at this well. There was some learning, uh, learning that took place at the well. You know, this woman, and, and I guess... Uh, everybody that uh, is approached with the gospel, sometimes you got to do some explaining. Not everybody understands why uh, do I have to have the God of the Bible? Why is it so necessary that I trust the Lord Jesus Christ? Why can't I trust my own religion? Why can't I trust my own God? And here, that's kind of what she was saying in verse number 20. Our fathers worshipped in this mountain. And uh, that in Jerusalem is the place... Uh, where men uh, ought to worship. And ye say that in Jerusalem is where men ought to worship. So she, she had grown up in a false religion, false cult, and that goes way back even into the Old Testament times when uh, Solomon passed away and then Rehoboam and Jeroboam uh, came into, into the rule. Rehoboam got the rule and uh, they, the kingdom split, Israel and Judah. And uh, Israel uh, turned uh, their... Their God that they worshipped made a God over in Samaria, and uh, Jerusalem kept uh, Israel there. Israel kept Jerusalem, and uh, there was a split ever since that time. And all, all the kings that left and didn't stay in Jerusalem, all that whole lineage, that whole line, they always worshipped false gods. Not one king ever lived then, and it was a split, Rehoboam and Jeroboam. And so it started way back then, this Samaritan reign, this Samaritan idol worship, this Samaritan false worship, and that's... Now, you know, different people will say different things about the, the racial relations, but this was more about this group of people was worshiping false gods and false idols and had turned away from the Lord. And so uh, here Jesus comes, this woman said, there's some learning that needs to be done. She said, well, you, we worship over here, you worship over there, and uh, what's so important, what do you have that's so important that I need? And of course, the Lord began to explain to her, the difference that there is only one true God. 
Verse number 24, God is a spirit. And they that worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. Verse 23, the hour cometh and now is when true worship, true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship him. This woman was confused on religion. And there's a lot of people confused on religion. There's a lot of people mixed up on religion. And, you know, if, if you could ever figure out that there's only one true God, you know, you put on your thinking cap and you logically think about it, there can't be many gods. We all had to come from somewhere. We all had to come from one place. I mean, just logically thinking about it. And there is only one true God. It, it, it's, it's the only possible scenario that you can really rationalize, that there is only, there only can be one true God, one true source. There really only can be one final authority when you think about it. Now, the Hindu religion, they have a philosophy of many gods and reincarnation. And I think uh, outside of uh, what the Bible teaches with the Jews, uh, outside of the religion that's taught in the Bible and the, and, the, and, the, and the truths that are taught in the Bible, outside of that, I think Hindu might be the oldest religion outside of the Bible. Uh, religion, and I'm using the word religion loosely this morning. And so Hindu goes away, but, but they don't serve one true God. They got many gods. And then they have an idea of reincarnation, that you can come back as some, some other form or some other type. And, and, uh, but, but, and they don't really have any source of that. There's really no source to refer to as a Hindu. When you begin to talk to the Hindu people, what they are, they, they don't have any true historical facts. They don't have anything like we have in the Bible as we Look at just the very fact that uh, you can go home today and you can Google Jacob's well, and I encourage you to do that. It's still there today. That's 4,000 years ago that Jesus is talking about. 2,000 years ago, he's talking about Jacob's well. Jacob built it some around 4,000 years. You can go look at that well, and to this day, you could still go down there and get you a drink of that water that Jesus sat by that well preaching this sermon. I don't know about you, but that encourages me. Some of these... Now, some of these religions out there, that you, they, the things that they talk about are fairy tale things. Now, the, the Mormons or Church of Latter Day Saints, they talk about Jesus came over here during his time when he said there was other sheep, and, and he came over here and preached to people in the Mexican region, and there was a whole group of people over there, and you know, it's a Smithsonian Institute and archaeologists and everybody else has taken the uh, the, the Book of Mormon, and they've studied it, analyzed it. They've went to those regions. They cannot find anything that has to do with that book that has been written. So they don't they don't look at it as an accurate book as far as archaeology. Now they may they're not insulting the Church of uh, Latter Day Saint. They're just saying we can't find any proof that this what was written here has ever happened or took place. But you take this old black book that we're preaching this morning. You can go to Jacob's Well. You can go to the ruins of the walls of Jericho. Hey, you can go back to, uh, to, to the Euphrates River. You can, you can go to, and, and right now today, you can go to the Jordan River and get baptized yourself. <laughs> We're not talking about something that's a, a fantasy. We're not talking about some kind of a hocus pocus. This Bible is, is just as historical as it is true in faith. This Bible, as far as I'm concerned, now there may be some scientists out there that disagree with this Bible, but I will guarantee you this Bible is just as accurate on science as it is in anything else. Just as accurate. You mean, preacher, when the Bible said, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, that's exactly what it means. That's exactly what it means. 
That's exactly what it means. You said, preacher, when the Bible said that, that, uh, that uh, the children of Israel went across the Red Sea on dry land, you believe that that, yes, I believe that actually. And I think there's actually people that went down there and took pictures and died and can see remnants of, you know, that's, that's, four, that's, that's close to 4,000 years ago itself. And it's a long time ago, but they see remnants of some kind of great event that took place in the bottom of that Red Sea. You know, do we have to have that kind of proof? Do we have to have that kind of evidence? No, I believe the Bible by faith. I worship the Lord in spirit and in truth, and I believe this Bible is the Word of God. And I believe this is when you finally figure out that there is only one true God. Now, that's Muslim religion. It's over a billion people strong. That's a lot. Over a billion people strong. Now, you begin to examine the Muslim religion, and it goes back to Allah, which in Muhammad, Muhammad, Started that religion year around the year 700. So I guess as you look at the history of the world, that's, that's a fairly contemporary religion. It's fairly new. I mean, Jehovah's Witness is fairly new. That was 1900s. Uh, Mormons was fairly new, 1850. And I'm talking about a new idea, but I think Christianity and the Bible's been around as long as we can remember. And, uh, you know, this, this, the whole idea of the Muslim religion is a fairly new idea when you consider world history. That's not that new when you think, well, this, they started that in year 700. This is 2015. It's 1,300 years ago. But when you begin to examine that religion, you know, Allah is basically in the Temple Mecca, and he's a three-foot-tall stone god. So you think about, well, why would I worship it? If, you, if you're bowing down to a stone god, somebody made that stone god. There's no possible way that you could ever feel or believe or actually truly think that that stone god that a man made created this world. It's just not logical. It's just not sensible. And it really does, in my opinion, it insults over a billion people's intelligence to say that it did irregardless of all the other crazy ideas that they have. So you begin, does this, does this woman say, well, we do this and you do that, and we, we worship this and you worship that, we believe this and well, you believe that, well, the fact is, what is the truth? Now, you think about it a minute, well, all it can't be, Buddhism. Now, Buddhism's a pretty old religion. I think it's really a spinoff of Hinduism. But uh, I, what I've studied, I'm not sure that we always... And I, and I don't eat Chinese food much anymore. I just, just don't. But, you know, you go in a Chinese restaurant, and it always kind of, uh, uh, I guess, uh, upset me a little bit when I walk in there and they have a Buddha. And one of them little old gold with a big old belly, you know, and rub my belly for good luck type of thing. Well, that's all it is, a good luck charm. Let me say, you know, Jesus is not a good luck charm. You know, and, and, and I'm not sure, as I've studied Buddhism, I'm not sure there is one particular person or entity that they look to as the Buddha. You know, any, they would look, as a Buddhist would look at religion, they would look at Jesus as a type of some sort of a, a Buddha. Buddha is more of a title than it is a person. So you look at Buddhism, and there's really not, as you, as you look at world religion, what people worship you got a lot of people who's got a lot of crazy ideas, and they don't have that one source that they can trace back to that this is the one true God, except for the God of the Bible. It's, it's, the, only, it's the only God that's got a book that is accurate. 
It's the only God that's handed down a book to his people and say you can count on this book. It's the only book that down through the years has been attacked over and over and over and over and over again. And it still stands. It still is going forward. It's still true. A, a, a book that's 6,000 years old, but it's still the truths and the ideas and the philosophies are those that we still adhere to and love today. And people would be a whole lot better off if they, they obeyed. And so as you look at... At this, that, that, that our Lord's trying to teach us one, the learning at the well is there's only one true God until you come to that place. There's a lot of people that I think are a lot of our political head in this country today. They, they know nothing about the founding fathers and what good Christian people believe many, many years from now. And they look at religion as just whatever. Oh, you worship the Lord? Well, I think that's great. Oh, you worship Buddha? Well, I think that's great. Well, you worship Muhammad? Well, I think that's great. It, Religion means nothing to them. They don't, want, they don't want to be put in a corner to have to make a decision on who is the true and living God. They don't want to have to, you know, sit down and logically uh, create some kind of a scenario that we can say, who is the one and only true God? They don't want that. So they just blanket, throw a blanket statement out of there about everybody's got faith and we need to respect that. Well, I don't, I don't think you can respect a three-foot God of stone. No, no disrespect <laughs> to the people that believe that, but I just don't think you can respect that. You know, in a lot of these religions that you look, there is not any respect there. It's not logical. It's not sensible. As you study it, you find that it's just, just not true. There's nothing there. And uh, so uh, here we find that the learning at the well, there's, there's only one true and living God, and, and the, the, the proof is from Scripture. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. There's no doubt about that. Now, I, I think outside of maybe Muslims, uh, Buddhists, there's a lot of religions out there. You can say what you want to, but I think that, I think that you can label evolutionists at a, as a religion. You say, well, they're against religion. Well, they're against religion, but they are religious. They, you have got to have more faith to believe that you came from animal mankind then you do just believe, hey, there is a God. You've got to have more faith. Because there's, there's a whole lot more questions about evolution than there is about the one true and living God. There's a whole lot more faith that you have to put, put yourself in about how did we get here? How did this happen? How did this become that? And where is that missing link? Where is the in-between? You know, there's just so many questions. It's, a, it's more of a religion. It's more faith that's involved in the evolutionary religion if you want to, I call it that, because you've got to have a lot of faith in there, then just about any other out there. But the proof of the Scripture is the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. You, you get this group of people that say, we worship Allah. You're a fool. Basically, the one true and living God who does exist and who's handed down a, a perfect and accurate book down through these years, and it's been proven over and over and over again, someone comes along the way uh, 1,300 years ago and says, well, we worship Allah. Well, basically, what you've done is you said you don't believe in God because there's no way that you're going to tell me with an honest face and an, an honest heart that you actually believe that a three-foot statue in that temple of Mecca is God. All you're telling me is you don't believe in God. That's all you're telling me. You know, and the Bible says the fool has said in his heart there is no God. Now, if you're a Buddhist and you say, well, we don't believe in, in, in necessarily the God of the Bible, we believe that different people that do great things can be, become a type of a God, a, a, a Buddha, 
as such, well, the Bible says the fool has said in his heart there is no God. That's all you're telling me. Now you, you say, preacher, you, you're preaching kind of tough. I'm, I'm just trying to tell you what the way it is. Now if, you, if you've denied the God of heaven, the Bible says the fool has said in his heart there is no God. Now this woman had to make that decision. There was some learning that took place at the well. A lot of people, before they can ever come to the place where they can get saved, there, there's some learning that has to, to take place. They've got to understand who it is that they're putting their faith in, who it is that they're putting their trust into. And sometimes the people that get mixed up in false religions, false gods, idols, and such, have a difficult time breaking away. When you're raised as a Muslim, it's hard for you to break away. You know, when, you, when you're raised as a Buddhist, it's hard for you to break away. And there's no doubt in my mind that the devil's got his religions. The devil's got his Bibles. And the devil's working hard at it, but that doesn't change this Bible, and it doesn't change the God of heaven. And this woman had to learn, uh, learn at the well. And as we look at God, the one true God, we know that there's a God because, you know why? Because you're intelligent. We didn't just happen. Out of all the creations in this world, birds, bugs, fish, whatever, bugs, snakes, whatever you want to call them, animal, kind, out of all of them, man is intelligent. Man can build great buildings. Man can build bridges, run a railroad all the way across the country, boats. I'm amazed at what doctors can do. I'm amazed. I'm amazed at a cell phone. Y'all ever figured that out? It ain't got a line to it? it. How does it even work? It ain't got a wire connected to it or anything. It's some kind of laser beam. I don't know what it, what it is. I'm telling you, man is intelligent. You didn't, involve, you didn't evolve your intelligence. It's not possible. The very fact that man is intelligent tells us. The Bible says in Genesis 1.26, we were made in the likeness of God. That's why you're intelligent. Because God is intelligent. The, the conscious, the very fact that you, that you know right from wrong, no matter who you are, no matter what religion you're in, as a, as, a, as a man, a woman, boy and girl, they know the difference between right and wrong. Because you've got a conscience. Now, the evolutionists want to say we evolved, but the animal kingdom doesn't have conscience. But man does. There's a conscience in a man. That, how do you explain that evolving into nature? How do you explain a conscience? How do you explain laws, uh, people knowing that there's a need for laws, and how do you, how do you explain there's, that, that mankind has realized and understood that there's, there, is a, there is a governing principle that needs to be in existence? That's because there's a conscience. That doesn't evolve. If, if evolution is true, every man for himself, the toughest is going to survive. That would be the way it is, but no, we feel like there's laws. We feel like the, there needs to be governing principles. It's because we've got a conscience. The world is here, and that's why we know that there's a God. As we've said many times, the sun comes up, the sun goes down. The moon, uh, it travels on its circuits, the stars. It, the whole thing is like clockwork. The world is here, and it's here, and it has design. There's no possible way that a three-foot stone God could do what we see. There's no way some great person who came on the scene at one time or another could do what we see here. This is beyond really human comprehension. There's an intelligent being 
And there is design to this place. There's a conscience in your heart and in mine heart and in everybody's heart. Uh, there's the fact that we're intelligent being, which all these things tells us there's only one true God. Now, you've got to make a decision who that is. Now, you go over there and bow down to Allah if you want to, but that's a waste of time. You can go rub uh, Buddha's belly if you want to, but I'm telling you, it's a waste of time. You can go get baptized at the temple in Salt Lake City if you want to, but it's a waste of time. You can say 50 Hail Marys uh, to Mary, whatever they call that. It's a waste of time. There's only one true God. There's only one true God. And so, and notice, not only was a lesson learned that there's only one true God, but there's only one true goal. Jesus said, I must need go through Samaria. Disciples got back from going to get some food, and disciples can't in their heart. Bible didn't say he, verse number 27, and upon this came his disciples and marveled that he talked with this one. Yet no man said, what seekest thou, or why talkest thou with her? So in their heart they're saying, why is he talking to Samaritan woman? They didn't really want to say anything, but that's what they was thinking. Didn't nobody want to say, Lord, we need to kind of, Move on down the road. <laughs> You're going to hurt our reputation. You're hanging around the wrong crowd here. That's what they were thinking. But there's one true goal. The disciples learned that day that everybody matters. The disciples learned that day that uh, may not be their favorite group of people, may not be their favorite culture, but everybody ought to get an opportunity to hear the gospel at least one time. Every man, everywhere, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And that was the mandate that the Lord gave the disciples. And they were learning this lesson here uh, at the well. There was a a lesson here to learn. There was a learning at the well. And so there's one true goal. Not only was there a learning at the well, but we learned the longevity of the well. Here I notice our Lord said that if you'll take part of the water that I'm offering, it's everlasting life. Now I've thought about this well and I guess somebody could go down there and destroy that well tomorrow and it'd be all over. But that well's been there a long time. And I did. I, you know, I, I Googled some pictures of the well. And you can, as I mentioned last week, you can see where Jacob and his men had, you can see marks in the stone because that, there's, a, there's, a, there's a big rock. And they dug the hole through a rock, pretty good-sized rock. Makes you wonder how them people were so intelligent to do that 4,000 years ago. I think they're still scratching their head on the pyramids. I ain't sure that they got that figured out just yet. They've come up with all kinds of ideas of how they made them stones fit so smooth. Might better give a little, them folks back in a little bit more credit than what we think. They, they think back then they should have been cavemen. <laughs> you know, uh, their, their communication was grunting to one another. You know, if you read the history books, what they talk about in some of the schools today, I think maybe they were a little bit smarter than what people thought. But uh, nonetheless, you look down, you can see where they, they, they dug that well out of the rock. Of course, Paul said that rock is Christ. And that well, at one time, they estimated it to have been 250 foot deep. Now, now this, is a, this is living water. This is, means it's flowing water. This is not just a well and it's just sitting there. It's, this water, the well is full. It's 200 feet, 250 feet of water to the bottom. They dived in, tried to find the bottom of it. Went and said that at one time it was around 250 feet deep. Now, now from what I've read on it, it's somewhere, still somewhere in between 130 and 140 foot deep today. It's still a deep well. 
Hey, the longevity of this well, and I think the fact that Jacob's well is still there for 4,000 years, the well started out deep, the well still is deep, even after all these years, and salvation, this is a great picture of salvation, never ends, just never ends. The longevity of it, the longevity of it is who shall separate us from the love of Christ? There's nothing that can separate you from the love of Christ. Romans chapter 8, verse 35. There's a long list of stuff that maybe somebody might come up with. Can I, can I ever be separated from the love of Christ, or from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord? The Bible says nothing shall be able to separate you from the love which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. The Bible said in John chapter 5, verse number 24, He that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life and shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. It's, it's a change that takes place. The longevity of this well is forever. And uh, it's the anchor of the soul. And something here that I think is a great illustration is this well dug some 4,000 years ago. And then 2,000 years ago, Jesus sits on, the side, sit, sits on the side of this well explaining to this woman that the water that he's offering is eternal life. I stand before you this morning and still talking about that well that the living water can give you that same eternal life that this woman of the well accepted many, many years ago. A great, a great message, a great sermon, a great illustration of our salvation. Jacob's well, the well of Israel. And the well is deep. No matter who you are, where you're from, this well, this water that the Lord is offering you is, is capable enough to save anybody. It's capable enough to keep anybody. And of course, in this life, we find that a lot of people, they should be weary from religion. You know, some of these, uh, the, the Muslims, you see the pictures and the things, you know, if I was involved with the Muslim religion, I'd be weary of it. We, I'd be weary of them putting the pictures up that they put on the Internet of the things they do. I'd be weary of people exposing what my religion actually was and what it actually talked about. and what it, I'd be weary of that. You know what they need to do? They need to come to the well. You say, can a Muslim be saved? Anybody can be saved. And I, I'll tell you what, <laughs> that's the answer for Iraq is for some, some United States government people go over there and protect some missionaries go over there and start preaching the gospel and give them some freedom and liberty to preach Jesus. That's what they need. They're full of the devil. <laughs> hey, but I'll say that again. They're full of the devil. That's their problem. And everybody's full of the devil that doesn't know the Lord Jesus Christ need to get saved, need to get born again. That's why people act the way. they got a dark heart. This woman... Now, she may have been sophisticated. I don't know exactly <clears throat> who she was, where she come from, and we know a little bit about her background. She may have been a sophisticated lady. She may not have been sophisticated. But no matter who she was, she needed the Lord. She had a dark heart and needed the Lord. She may have wore fancy clothes. She may not have wore fancy clothes. But whosoever, whoever she was, she had a dark heart and needed the light of the Lord Jesus Christ in her heart and in her life. And so there was the longevity of the well that when you get saved, it's eternal. It's forever. It's everlasting life. And this well is an example, an illustration. Hey, there's light at the well. Not only is there longevity at the well, but thank God there was some light at the well. This woman, as I've already mentioned, was living in a dark world. Hey, we're living in a dark world and getting darker. She lived in a dark world, and you know, if you compare the times of then, the times of now, there was a lot of Christians being thrown to lions back in these days. Christ was crucified, I remind you. And every, one of the, every one of the disciples who then became apostles, everyone but John was martyred for their faith. 
So these were some dark days and dark times and, and thank God for the light that showed up at the well on that day to lighten the dark heart. So there's light at the well. The people which sat in darkness, the Bible said in Matthew 4, 16, the people which sat in darkness saw great light. That's what we need to try to be, a great light. To expose the darkness, to show people the way, to show people the light of the Lord Jesus Christ. This light was good in Genesis 1, 4. God saw the light, that it was good. And there's not a better light to shine than the Lord Jesus Christ. Not only is it good, it's the best. And not only is it good, not only is it best, it's the only light that's going to expose the darkness. There is no other light. It's the gospel. This light at the well is the gospel, the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the hope of this world, is that they'll somehow hear the gospel message and respond to that light. And this light was godly. And so this this woman realized, uh, as the Lord showed her, that not only do I know that this is, you're not married, but you've had five husbands, and the one that you're with now is not your husband. And so this woman found out that this man at the well, the Lord Jesus Christ, was somebody special. He revealed to her that she had a dark heart. He revealed to her that she needed the Lord. So there at this, at this well, there was light at the well. Thank God for the light. Thank God for the day that I saw the light at the well. And hey, that light is still shining. That light's still going forth. And hey, we still got a message to preach. We got a, a message to expose. We got a message, uh, a, a message to deliver. And may the Lord help us in these days and times of darkness, in these days and times of confusion about who God is. And may the woman at the well be a great illustration and a great help for each and every one of us to try to help someone find everlasting life and everlasting water. And uh, we thank the Lord for that. The woman at the well. The well is deep. I know we're facing some hard times, difficult days, but don't you ever forget, the well is deep. It's not a shallow well. Preacher, we've got some things approaching us today. I don't know how we're going to handle Well, I don't know either, but I do know this. The well is deep. (laughs) I think this world is what's shallow. But I'll tell you something that's deep is the well. We don't have to be afraid of it. We don't have to worry about what this world's got going on, what the world's got to offer, the darkness of the world, the sin of the world, what's going on in the world. The well's deep. We can count on it. It's been there for a long time. It's not going anywhere. The Lord Jesus Christ isn't going anywhere. Now, there's less people interested in the well, but we're going to keep talking about it. We're going to keep telling people about it, try to get people interested in the Lord Jesus Christ. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed this morning, so we have a time of invitation. Maybe there's someone here that doesn't know the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. Maybe you're confused about who the Lord is and who God is. I believe everybody here has a testimony that they've been saved. But today, if you don't know the Lord as your personal Savior, it'd be a great day to do just as this woman did, to accept the Lord Jesus Christ in her heart and her life. Maybe you are spiritually weary as our Lord here. The Bible said he was weary. Sat down at the well to get a drink. Well, not only is it good for salvation, but it's good to give you strength as well. Maybe need to come to this old-fashioned well. Give me the strength to carry on. Give me the strength to do what I need to do. We all stand and sing. What page? Page number 22 as we sing.